All right, we have been in a series called True Love. I want to announce, though, that next week we're beginning a new series called The Jesus Way, and it'll be going for several weeks as we, as we roll into Easter, The Jesus Way. Uh, Papa Rags is going to be speaking sometime during this series, and, and Kevin Eakin will be speaking some. No telling who else we're going to throw in there. Who knows, Derek Arms may even be preaching one day. Derek, just get ready. We may do that. Ain't no telling. Uh, so Jesus Way begins next week, but today we're wrapping up our series called True Love. Actually, I'm calling them teaching themes now because uh, series kind of limited us to four to six weeks, and we call it a theme, so we can go for a couple of months if we want to. A couple of announcements I want to remind you about. These are very, very important announcements. This Wednesday is, can anybody tell me what it is? First Wednesday worship, this Wednesday, right here at the Knoll Center, 7 o'clock, show up. It is not like Sunday morning. It's more intimate. It's more free-flowing. There's not a structure. We just kind of go for it. Sometimes it goes an hour. Sometimes it goes an hour and a half. We just kind of go. We worship. We'll pray for people. We anoint people with oil. We believe for healing, and and, uh, we just go after it. So if you want to be a part of that kind of experience, come on, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. If you've never been a part of something like that, This would be great. I promise you it's safe. We don't handle any snakes. We don't do anything like that. It's really (laughs) safe. Uh, So y'all like, y'all do that sometimes? That's every sixth Sunday, okay? So don't worry about that. Uh, And then then also our next steps night. Uh, We're changing it this month. We're moving it from Wednesday. We're going to try it out on a Sunday uh, and so, those of you that want to know what our church is about, our vision, our values, our, our purpose statement, how you can get involved, a little bit more about our structure, how, how we're set up as a church, be here on Sunday, next Sunday, the 8th at 5 o'clock. So, it gives you time to get home, watch a little golf, and then come back. There's no football on, so you might as well come on back, and we'll have our next steps tonight. How many are planning on being here for that? Just raise your hand. I'd love to see those hands. Okay, good. We need you to register out at next steps. Let them know that you are coming. All right, y'all got that? Those are two important announcements. You got them? All right, you ready to dive into the Word this morning? Four people. That's great. How about the rest of y'all? Ready to dive in the Word today? Uh, I, I spoke at the CPA Christ Presbyterian High School Chapel uh, this past week, and it's the most nervous I've ever been, I've got to tell you right now, because it was just several hundred teenagers just staring at me, and I'm in between them and lunch, you know, so that's, that was tough in itself. And then my son Evan was there, so my goal was to get out of there without embarrassing Evan, and I think I did it. I don't know if I said anything worthwhile, but I didn't embarrass Evan, so everybody say yes, that's good. Our first week in this series, we hit the subject that God is love, and His love is perfected in us when we are like Jesus. His love is perfected in us when we are like Jesus. The second week, we touched on in our text, we'll read it in just a moment, to know and rely on the love that God has for us. The second week, we talked about knowing God's love, having a revelation of God's love, how high, how deep, how wide, how the expanse of his love, the revelation. And one thing we said is that every, if every person could have a revelation of God's love, you wouldn't need anything else. That would be it, just a revelation. Then last week, we hit that word rely, to know and rely on the love 
of Jesus. And one of the things that stood out to me as I was studying for that and then as I said it last week, it's something that has just resonated with me all through this week is that with a commandment like this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, that is impossible for me to do. I just can't do it. Can I hear an amen from somebody that can't give anything all of your heart? We try, we say we want to, but it is hard. And so I have to rely on the love of Jesus. I can't do it myself. He has to be a part of my life. I have to continually rely. And something we said last week is that God does not want to make us better lovers. He wants to make us more dependent on him and his love. So having a revelation that God is love, having a revelation of how exhaustive and expansive that love is, and then relying on that love. This week, I want to dive into the other side of love. If I was going to ask you today to tell me what is the opposite of love, how many would just right away say hate? I love or I hate. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Let's read 1 John chapter 4 and 16, which has been our text for this entire session. 1 John 4 and 16. How many are with me today? Y'all ready to go? All right. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Everybody say perfect love. Remember, our series is true love, which means complete love, perfect love, mature love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So we say that the opposite of love is hate. The scripture says the opposite of love is fear. Here's what I have found in my own life. And that is, I hate what I fear. I hate what I fear. The very reason that I hate something is because I fear it. I hate evil. Why? Because I'm fearful that evil would take over my life. Does that make sense? So hate is connected with fear. The scripture says that perfect love drives out fear, and yet fear inhibits us from experiencing perfect love. That's what we just read. So perfect love drives out fear. We're going to touch on that in just a moment. But fear inhibits us from stepping into complete, perfect, mature love. And so today, we want to deal with fear. Look at your neighbor and say, today, somebody all didn't look at your neighbor, much less say, look at your neighbor and say, today, we want to deal with fear. How many ready for fear to be out of your life? How about the rest of y'all? How many ready for fear to be gone? I'm going to need a little bit more monitor right here, or I'm going to start yelling like an old Pentecostal preacher, so I need you to help me out. 
Everybody say fear, love. Say love, fear. Now, I'm going to give you a list of things, and I don't want you to say anything. All right? I don't want you to think it. But here's what I want. I'm going to name it like word association. I'm going to say a word, and I want you in your mind to say love or fear. Which one comes to your mind the very first moment I say it? Okay, you ready? All right. Here we go. So love or fear. Don't say it. Because you may offend someone sitting beside you. Don't say it. Think it. Love or fear. Which one comes first? Debt. A raise. Work. Working out. Your boss. Coworkers. The government. The doctor. Insurance. ISIS. Ice cream. Ice. Gangs. Neighbor. Neighborhood. Neighborhood association. Mechanic. Traffic. Technology. Church. Police. Parents. Teacher. Crowds. Being alone. Your spouse. Your kids. Your grandkids. God. See what happens there? Immediately, you place one of those in one section. And sometimes you can't figure out which one it is. Well, I can tell you which one it is. If you can't figure it out, it's not perfect love. There's fear associated with it. Those that stand out strong, those are the ones you need to mark down and begin to pray over. That your love would increase or that fear would dissipate and go away. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I could not do a series on love if I did not read this, right? I just have to be, I'd have to be fired and go find another vocation if I did a series on love and didn't talk about 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 4. As you're turning there, I want to congratulate again uh, for another championship, the CPA girls basketball and the CPA boys basketball that both are now not only district champions but regional champions. That's amazing, yeah. We, and I say that because we have... Um, Multiple players that go to our church, attend them. There must have been several more here today, but they must have been worn out from the game on Friday. Uh, and so we just congratulate you guys. And you know what? When, when Never mind, I won't even go into that. Hey, I will say this, though. I would love for you all to come out Monday night. Uh, the girls are playing at 7 o'clock. And Tuesday night, the boys are playing at 7 o'clock. Would love for you all to come out. Our very own Evan Ragsdale is going to be playing. Tiger's going to be playing. Addie Russell is going to be playing on Monday night. Uh, anyway, I'd love for you all to come out. That would be fun. It's cheap entertainment, too. It's like six bucks to get in. Come out. It would be a blast, all right? Yes, I am giving a shameless plug for my son. When you pastor your church, you can do that about your kids, okay? <laughs> They're going for state. Come on, we're going to win state this year. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never Fails. All right, I want you to say that, those first three words right there with me, just as loud as you can. Take a deep breath, clear your throat, and let's say it. Love never fails. Out of this entire passage of Scripture, I believe that those three words, to me, are the most, that's the most important phrase in this Scripture, that love never fails. God is love. God never fails. So the equation says that love never fails. And the reason I bring this out is because fear and love are both motivators. They both motivate us. So almost anything that you and I do in life is either motivated by fear or it's motivated by love. And if you read down what what the apostle said, that the description of what love is, you can throw in the opposite and you can see how fear works out. Love is patient. It's loving. Or it's impatient, which is fearful of not getting what I want when I want it. Love is kind. Or fear is unkind. Love is does not envy. Fear is envious that somebody's going to get more than they get. You see what's happening here? We just go down the line. Love does not boast. Fear boasts because it doesn't think that anybody's going to recognize its accomplishments. And it wants everybody to know about it. And it Instagrams and tweets about it. And Facebooks about it. And emails about it. And talks about it. Love doesn't do that. Because love has a clear understanding. Fear boast. Fear is prideful. Fearful is dishonoring, while love is not dishonoring. Fear is self-seeking, and it's easily angered. It keeps a record of wrongs. You want to, I'm going to give you one key that would make every one of our relationships amazing. Quit keeping a record of wrongs. Quit keeping a record of wrongs. I I had to repent of that last night myself, because a couple of nights ago, Chris and I were getting ready to go to bed. We got into a little discussion. How many have discussions sometimes before you go to bed? It was a discussion. That's what it was. Just a discussion. And we both apologized. We made it right and went to bed. And the next morning, I'm, I'm out of the meeting. She's doing something. I get a text. Sorry we fussed. I'm sorry I fussed. I love you, heart, smiley face. Let's make up later on, okay? So that whole thing. Well, then last night, I had a perfect opportunity because the exact same thing happened, but it was reversed. This time, it was my chance to say something. And you know what I did? I said something. I kept a record of wrong. I thought, well, you know what? This is what you said last night. And so I'm going to do the same thing. I just puffed up my chest, rolled in that bedroom and just... Remember the other night when the same thing ever? I 
I did did it. You know I did it. <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody that has ever done that before? Anybody right now, you're planning on doing that sometime this week. You're thinking, I'm going to get them back. That's fear. Because fear says she's going to one-up me. Even though she's the love of my life, I can't imagine my life without her. I still, that fear part of me, doesn't want her to get the upper hand. Imagine what I would do with someone I don't like. Right? The fear side or the love side. It's not love and hate. It's love and fear. If we can deal with fear, then you don't have to worry about hate. Because you don't hate people that you don't fear. It doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth, whereas fear doesn't. Fear looks for lies, and it looks for, it's distrustful. And fear likes to see the bad news. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can be rolling along your day, and all of a sudden somebody says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Man, your ears just perk up. They got a raise. Oh, man, I thought she was going to tell me something good. See? What happens, we automatically begin to, because that fear part of us, love protects, fear doesn't protect. Love trusts, fear never trusts. Man, if we could deal with this in our society, just we're such a distrustful people. Everybody's got to prove themselves to us. What if we could be more like Jesus and say, I'm going to prove myself to you. I want you to prove your love to me. I'm going to prove my love to you before you even do anything. Before you even knew I existed, I'm going to die for you on a cross. Love always hopes. Fear is just full of doubt and defeat. Love perseveres. It pushes through. Fear is looking for a way out because you know you've been hurt before. They're going to hurt you again. Not love. It keeps on pushing. Love never Fails. Write this down. Love is the only motivation that will not fail. Love will not let you down. Somebody should just get that tattooed somewhere. Love won't let you down. But most of us, the majority of us, are motivated by fear, fear. You know, psychologists say that the majority of your personality is made up of what you fear. I'm loud, my jacket's louder today. That probably comes about because I have a fear of not being noticed or a fear of being rejected. Now think about yourself. What is your personality? Can you find a fear that produced that personality? Does that make sense? We're motivated by fear. People that, I'll tell you what scares me is that people that say, I'm going to show them. I'm going to be a success to show them. That is a fearful motivation. Because you're fearful that they're not going to notice your accomplishments. Or that, that's fearful. Fear is a terrible motivator. You go to war because of fear or hate, it won't last. But if you go to war because of love, because we love our country, 
because we love what God has called us to do. We're going to battle the enemy. See what I mean? The difference in those two. Love is a grand motivator. It's what separates the good from the great. They love what they do. What keeps you playing, they say to the great athletes, my love for the game. Not that I'm fearful, because I love it. What makes you happy? Loving what I do. You see the difference there? They ask the question, how did you make such a bold step? Well, I found something I love, and I went after it. I made a bold step. I didn't know what was going to be there, but I just went after it. How could you do something so crazy? Because I love it. I love it. There's a reason it's called falling in love. You know that, right? Because it's just a bold step that you just fall off of this abyss and just pray that this thing catches. It's a leap of faith. It's going after it. You ask the question, how have you guys stayed together so long and you still love one another? Love. Not fear, love. Kristen always says, when you marry your best friend, life is like one big slumber party. Love. I met this couple uh, uh, in their 70s and uh, began to talk. How long y'all been married? He said, 50 years. That is amazing, 50 years. He said, yep, seven good ones. I said, which seven? He said, a day here, a day there. Of course, she had heard that joke for 50 years, so she just started slapping on him. And I said, no, really, tell me, why have you stayed together for 50 years, and yet you're walking out, and she's holding your hand, and I watched you all, you look in each other in the eyes, and he said, we love each other. We love each other. Man, what if we could do things? We don't stay together just so, because out of fear... What's going to happen to the kids if we split up? What if we stay together out of love for one another? Or what if we were committed to a job out of love? Or committed to a church out of love instead of out of fear? I may not be a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. That's good preaching. The questions that we ask the great ones, how do you give so much? Like, how, how do you give so much away? You have to have a love for it. You have to love the cause you're giving to, or you have to have a love of giving. For God so loved that he gave. Love is the great motivator. God did not give out of fear. God does not like a fearful giver. He likes a, boom, y'all got it. Yes, God wants someone that loves what they're giving toward, loves what they're going for. Matter of fact, I can tell you right now that God has been working on us and on our team. Uh, Kristen and I even talked about it last night that no more are we going to do this thing of, man, come on, we need you to give and to serve, this kind of fear thing. No, it's love. How many of you love God enough and love the house of God enough and love the vision enough that you're willing to serve and to give? If not, we don't want you you serving or giving here really don't do it we don't want you because God's not going to bless that kind of giving and that kind of serving mic drop right there everybody say guilt bitterness anger all 
come from fear. And, don't stop, and they are the worst motivators. You're motivated by anger, terrible. Motivated by by bitterness, by guilt, get away from that. Is the relationship that you have based on love or is it based on fear? Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your neighbor, your relationship with your pastor, your relationship with your God. Is it based on fear? If it is, you'll never truly love him. If your relationship with your spouse is based on the fear that you're not going to do it like your parents did it, it's not going to be abundant. But if you can get that thing to a place of love, where the motivation is love. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us have a fear of losing, a rejection. And so because of that, it motivates us to do certain things or to not do certain things. For some of you, you have the fear of that look. You know that look you get? And you just, because of that, your, your motivation, I'm not going to do it. I'm looking at men, men and women right now that are living so far below the potential that God has placed on you because you're living your life out of fear and not out of love. It's fear. I can't. I won't. Ah, man, what if you could pull that back? Push fear aside. And then I love to help you make your decisions. Love. I'll tell you right now, if Kristen and I, I use myself as an example because I know me better than anybody else. If Kristen and I had decided to plant this church based out of fear, we'd have been long gone. But because we did it out of love, just keep on rolling because we love what we do. How about you? That bold step that you made, the ones that you're still doing are based on love. I mentioned at the beginning that fear, most of us say love and hate, but the Bible says fear, I mean love and fear. But I don't want you to get the feeling that they are equal opposites. I don't want you to get that feeling that you have love over here and on the other side, Just as strong is fear. It's not. Because the scripture clearly states, as we read, when love shows up, fear has to go. Perfect love does what? Cast out. Or our scripture text says, drives out. Like with a whip, with a cradle prod, with a shotgun. Whatever it takes to get it out. They cannot coexist. So if you have fear in your life and perfect love shows up, ah, fear goes. But if at any moment fear begins to creep in, your love can never be perfected. You may love it, but it won't be perfect love, mature love, true love. So we have to continually rid our lives of fear. You have to continually focus on the love of God, the passion of God, the power of God. He said he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Continually speak those things over your life. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Let me give you a great example of that. My mom is deathly afraid of mice. Still are, right, Mom? How many are, how many are with Mom? Just raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> I will ne- I'll never forget. One day, I was getting ready to go to, I think I was going to school maybe. And uh, Mom was in making breakfast, and a little mouse ran by. Well, there's this blood-curdling scream. There is a frequency that my mom can go to at that moment that I'll never probably hear that frequency again. It just destroys certain parts of your hearing, gone. She said, your daddy's not here. You're going to have to kill that thing. Well, what mom doesn't know is I was just as afraid of that mouse as she was. I still am. If one ran right here, I would just jump in that cage right now. It's not that I'm scared of the mouse. It's the suddenness of the mouse I don't like. If it would say, hey, I'm getting ready to run out from behind this, I'd be good with that. But it's just a... (laughs) I I promise you, a rhinoceros could run through and I wouldn't scream like I would if a mouse ran out from under that... Can I get an amen from somebody else? How about the women are quiet and there's a man that would say amen? One guy, thank you for being honest. I should just release a few of them right now and see guys just jumping up on stuff. (laughs) So mom says, I need you to go take care of that as she's standing on the chair. So I get a broom and just roll down in the den, scared to death, and I ended up taking care of the mouse, all right? Now, watch this. So here's my mom, deathly afraid of a mouse. A little while later, maybe a few years later, we're living out in the woods. We had a house out there, but it was like just a lean-to. We lived out in the country. I walk around the corner of the house, and there is a pack of wild dogs. We found out later were rabid, rabid. Like, that was it, you know. They were out for blood. I run in the house. Guess what mom does? Uh-uh. Y'all getting out of here. Still remember that figure of mom standing there, scaring those dogs away. And then a little bit later, daddy comes around with a 30-30 rifle, and that kind of took the rest of them out. I was reminded of that mental image as I was studying for this. So, mom, you're going to be scared of a mouse? but you will face down a pack of rabid wild dogs? Why? Because her love for me drove out that fear immediately. Gone. If you can find a way to look at every situation in your life and find a way to put love in the place of fear, I have a love for this. I have a love for this. And if you don't have it, that's where we go back to last week. You begin to rely on his love. Man, it's a hard saying. You got to love your enemies because y'all know you got some enemies. You got an ex that did you wrong. You got somebody that fired you when you shouldn't have been fired. You got lied on. Raise your hand if any of that's ever happened to you. Raise your hand. You've been done wrong. And Jesus says you got to love your enemies. And you're like, ain't no way. That's why the scripture says people just leave him. 
Do you know that? Isn't that amazing? He would have five, 15,000, and all of a sudden he'd make one of those statements. They'd go, oh, not me. I'm out. I'm gone. Love my neighbor, yes. Love my enemy? Come on, man. You don't know what they did to me. The whole point of it, you can never love that ex if you're doing it with your love. We have to rely upon the love of Jesus. That's where you begin to pray for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. Against such there is no law. You begin to pray. Do you know when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, that's not your love on steroids. That's God's love. How much love does God have? We're still here. God is motivated continually by his love for us. Not by what you're going to do for him. Not by what you're going to accomplish for him. His love for you. His incredible, never-ending, ever-increasing love for you. What if we did what we did out of love instead of out of fear? What if those of you that are looking for a job could start looking for a job that you love instead of trying to find one because you're fearful of going bankrupt. You're fearful of not making enough money. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what the sweet life is. Young people, y'all listen to me. This, this is important. The sweet life, the best life that you can ever find is to find something you love and a way to make money doing that. It is the sweetest life you could ever do. The love that motivates you. Fear brings about slavery. Love brings about liberty. Last scripture, Romans chapter 8 and 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I'm not scared of my daddy. I love my daddy because I know my daddy loves me. I want the band to come up. If you do come to one of the games this week, I just ask you to overlook how loud I may be, or things that I may say. I pray that the refs never show up at our church. I can just hear it, just giving me what I give them. That's a terrible illustration. What service are you in? That's not even in the Bible. I say that because Friday night during the game, we were in enemy territory. They wanted to beat us. We wanted to beat them. We had our section, big signs that said, this is where y'all sit. This is our section. Like a little bitty section just for us. I'm sitting there, and somehow some of the enemy came over to our section. Sitting right here. 
and begins to make it pretty personal to some of our players. And while I took offense to that, don't mind you cheering for yours, but you better watch talking about my boy, okay? So I begin to let this fella have it a little bit, you know? It's my boy down there you're talking about. That's her boy you're talking about. And he kind of went back at me, and we lovingly... Hey, look, if y'all want one of those pastors, you're going to have to go find another church, all right? Because I may be the first pastor to get tased at a basketball game, all right? I'm just telling you right now. We're going back and forth at the end of the, at the, end of the confrontation after we beat their team by 20. I just, you know, I didn't gloat. One of the guys came up to me and he said, man, that was a big fella. I thought y'all about to get into it. I said, yeah, but what he doesn't know, first of all, I may look like this, but I can hold my own if things go down. But what I didn't say is my daddy was right here. My daddy. So I had a little bit more ambition in that argument because my daddy was right here. My daddy. And then I had my former football player brother-in-law that was right down there, so I knew we were good. And then Janie Omer was just an echo away, just, Janie, I need you to come help. So it was good. But daddy, just daddy being there, no fear, love. Daddy does what he does because he loves me. I didn't get into it. I wish we could just continue this series and maybe we'll come back to it. But love protects, but love also corrects. One of the greatest ways you can protect is correct, is to say, don't do that. We don't do that in this house. That's not our culture. That's not how we do things in this place, all right? Don't do that. Comfort and confrontation go hand in hand. You have to be able to accept it. You have to be able. If you want to go to perfect love, you have to be able to be corrected because the Bible says that he corrects those that he loves. So you want to know if you're a son of God? Are you getting spankings every once in a while? Does he just swat your hand a little bit? Don't do that. Now, I'm not talking about a whip and beating you out of fear like you would a slave. I'm talking about don't do that. Stand in the corner until you learn your lesson. Okay? Does that make sense? Because when God gets on to us or God uses people in our life to get on to us, that's when we begin to go, oh, I ain't going to do this anymore. It's a spirit of religion. That's your fear speaking. I don't know why I'm saying this. Wasn't your part of the notes. I feel like I'm supposed to say that to somebody. The greatest thing you can do as a child of God is to be able to receive correction. Receive it. Teach me. Tell me. Man, I love this church. I love preaching here on Sunday. I love doing life with you. I love what God's doing in our family. I truly believe that if we can learn this lesson of love, we can do what God's called us to do in this city. You can do what God's called you to do in your family, in your neighborhood. I love that Kristen brought it out just a moment ago. There are only three things that remain. Faith, love, and hope. That's it. The greatest of these is love. How many received this word this morning? Do you receive it? Receive it? Let's stand.